The LSAT is a test of habits, right? What can you do repeatedly? What can you do automatically? Really making sure you're building out a study plan that works for you once you've kind of gotten through the foundations and you're familiar is the best thing that you can do for yourself. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 7th Age LSAT podcast. My name is Henry Ewing, and I'm joined with my co-host, Asta Sinha. And today we have the very first episode of season two of the 7th Age LSAT podcast, which mm-hmm. I... I'm stoked about. How do you feel, Henry? Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. We've got a whole host of new episodes planned out for you guys. Last season, we did a lot of work taking you guys through day one to test day of the LSAT. And we have a lot more interviews, a lot more content episodes, basically more LSAT information. So I'm super excited mm-hmm. to get started. Henry, what are we talking about today? Uh, on today's docket, how to prepare for the LSAT. A question I think you both you and I are well equipped to do, given it's our job. I hope so at this point. (laughs) Yeah. There's a couple of different things. And I I think one thing I want to make note of at the top of this episode before we get started is that we did an episode last season about how to study for the LSAT. And what we're looking to do with this episode is cover some of the ground that we didn't back then. Right. We gave a very rudimentary kind of starting point. What to do. You heard about the LSAT today. Decided you want to take it. And some of the things that we're going to be talking about today are considerations about how to study, what to study, how to really get started in the most efficient way possible. So essentially diving a little bit deeper than we did in that episode last season. So Henry, how do you prepare for the LSAT? We're assuming you're at this point where you have decided I need to plan uh, to take this test. Ideally, this is happening more than just a week or two out. Uh, If you are planning on taking the test a week or two out, uh, you've already made a misstep, I would say. Uh, a big part of uh, deciding to take the test is, is knowing when you want to take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the general consensus is that more is better. Well, the longer time you give yourself, really, you know, the trade-off that's happening there is you can either rush your test date and try to get the test done as soon as possible. What you're going to be leaving on the table, though, are points. You're not going to give mm-hmm. yourself the opportunity to really hit your ceiling. So the longer that you have, honestly, the higher the chances are that you're going to hit your ceiling for what score you can get. And if you're at all familiar with the LSAT, law school, that whole process, you know that even just a couple of points here and there, maybe two or three points higher, can really open up doors as far as what schools you're able to apply to or what schools you can realistically apply to and get in and also what scholarship opportunities that you might have. So giving yourself as much time as possible, starting early, really thinking it through about what this test means to you and what opportunities you want it to to offer can do can go a really long way in, in yeah. opening up those opportunities for you yeah and it's, it's a real beast of a test uh, i would say yeah. it's one of those things where i really it doesn't matter how smart you are uh you are much more likely to underestimate it than overestimate it absolutely and so being willing to give yourself a lot of runway time uh, i know online there's a sentiment like three months is probably enough uh, we rejected that last time. We'll reject it again. Firmly. Uh, I, I personally took six months to study. Or, well, more than six months to study. What about you? I took a little over six months, too. And I'll, I'll say that my studying was pretty close to full-time. As close to full-time as I could possibly get it to be. Um, so I mm. think if I was studying anything less than full-time, it probably would have taken me even longer. Um, so, yeah, I'd say, you know, six-ish months is what worked for me a little bit longer. But if I had more time spread it out a little bit more, I definitely would have had a better time with this test. I, I spent a lot of time struggling with it uh, because of the timeline I was in. It's kind of like one of those things where it's almost too late when you decide to study, but making sure you have a, I don't want to say realistic, but a time frame that is going to set you up for the most success. 
deciding you're going to take the test four weeks before uh, is not going to uh, reap a lot of fruit for you. And it's not going to be a good reflection of what you can do on this test. Make sure Absolutely. you're giving yourself a lot of time, a lot of runway time uh, to, to learn the test, take the test, and really get a score that's uh, a good reflection mm -hmm. of your capabilities. That, that's the biggest thing, yeah. We've gone over what it means to study for this test, how to be flexible, what timeline you should be looking for. Once you've kind of established that, I think it's tricky to decide what order to start working on things, how to section off your time between the three sections. I think that there are a lot of different schools of thought on how to do this, but my personal recommendation and something that I think is important is not neglecting one section at any point in time. Trying to keep yourself exposed to all three over the course of a week or over the course of two weeks, whatever your timeline looks like, instead of siphoning off your studying for all three sections in three different time periods. Within that, though, there are some nuances, and I think the biggest one is trying to jump into logic games as soon as you possibly can. Logic mm -hmm. games is, you know, famous for being the easiest section to learn or the quickest to improve on. And that's not always true for each person. But what I can say, in my own experience, the most efficient way to get better at logic games is just by practice and repetition. And so the longer you have to practice and repeat these games and go over them as many times as you need, the better off you're going to be and the more likely it is that you're going to get as close to minus zero as possible. So, Henry, when you're kind of divvying up studying time for students that are just starting out, does that hold with what you typically do what are your thoughts on that yeah i think it's definitely very wise to to jump into games first uh as you said it, it's one of those things where it's definitely you can improve at it the quickest once you get good at it it becomes a lot more mindless mm -hmm. you know once you get really good at games it's one of those things where you just kind of do it and you don't think too much about it like the inferences just start kind of making themselves there's a bunch of uh, patterns on this test that just keep repeating and as you yeah. get better at the pattern recognition in logic games everything just kind of falls into place that's a lot unlike rc and lr where you yeah. kind of just still have to try no matter what even when i'm doing lr uh, and i do lr i almost exclusively teach lr nowadays mm -hmm. uh, i still have to try pretty hard uh at, depending on the problem uh okay. it takes a lot of mental effort and the idea there is even though i would consider myself I mean, I'm a bit of an lr pro at this point i would not want to be having to expend a bunch of effort just maintaining my LR while also expending a bunch of mental effort learning LG, mm. right? And learning all of the new concepts of LG. I would much rather be a pro at LG, mindlessly do a section every day. Yeah, and absolutely. Then, and dive into LR and devote a lot of uh, mental energy to that because there's like a learning process with LG that, that is definitely um, cumbersome and difficult. But after the learning process, like after you reach that hump, the LG just goes way, way down in terms of difficulty, oh, which absolutely. is very unlike LR, where it's still fairly difficult, I would say, uh, to do an LR problem. And RC is just, it's just going to be hard. Yeah. I, I would say RC is just going to be hard no matter what. For RC, while it is hard, and I, I think it's notorious for being one of the harder sections to improve on. It's not something that's impossible by any means. It's just going to take a little bit more time on average. Every person's different, but on average, it's going to take a little bit more time than logic games is. I think for logic games, consistency and repetition is really the key. So when people ask me, is there anything that I should be doing every day? Is there a habit that I can build with this test to get better? What I would really recommend doing is trying to do a couple logic games every single day, foolproofing them if you're using 7Sage and that methodology. But really, the best thing that you can do for yourself from the very beginning is just trying to do logic games every single day and building up that consistency. And LR yeah. and RC, whatever platform that you're using to study, go through the fundamentals. We've talked about that already on this podcast, but 
that's a habit that if I could go back in time and do myself and a habit that I tell a lot of my friends who are studying for this test and students and that do logic games, do logic games every day, get really good at it, get really, really comfortable with it. Yeah, 100%. Uh, awesome. I, I definitely think that, you know, the order in which you should prioritize understanding would go logic games, LR, then RC. Yeah. Uh, and and I, it should be noted, too, because I'm sure some people are listening and they've heard tales how the logic game section is going away at some point. Uh, yes, those tales have happened. We don't know when that is. And we've got yeah. guys on the inside, okay? We've got people <laughs> everywhere at 7 Stage. Uh, and even they don't know. That's uh, not so exactly. <laughs> we don't have guys on the inside, Henry. Okay. No yeah. That's good. It's good we're keeping cover. Oh, my You're God. right. We don't have anyone on the inside. What we do know that what the LSAC has announced formally to everyone is that they have said that they're going to give us a six months notice before any major changes to the test, including the change um, of the logic game section. So for at least six months um, from today, beginning of August. Uh, it's going to be the logic game section. So continue to practice them. And what I will say, my understanding is that the skills that you learn from practicing logic games in its current version will still be applicable to some extent. Uh, it's not going away so completely that, you know, nothing that you study for logic games now is going to be helpful. And also, we don't know what we don't know. Right now, what we know is that the logic game section is going to be on the test. So you're only doing yourself a disservice if you disregard studying for logic games anticipating that this new thing is going to come out and then it never does before you need to take the test so really study logic games study that now and as soon as something changes you'll hear it from us first so we've talked a lot about you know kind of the beginning steps what to focus on what not to focus on the next thing is that study plan right i think if you go mm -hmm. into studying for this test without some form of a study plan or a schedule or even just a to-do list you're really doing yourself a disservice having consistency having structure i think makes a world of a difference for this test because yeah something i've said before on this podcast is that the lsat is a test of habits right what can you do mm -hmm. repeatedly what can you do automatically so really making sure you're building out a study plan that works for you once you've kind of gotten through the foundations and you're familiar is the best thing that you can do for yourself yeah. now there are four main components of what's going to be on the study plan and, and what you should be including first one being full length practice tests simulating test day conditions trying to replicate what test day is going to be like for you full-length sections so working on you know rc or lg or lr in isolation not as a full-length prep test um, doing weakness specific drills so really taking a look at question types or difficulty levels or different things that you're struggling with and isolating that even further and just drilling those over and over again what was the fourth one review work no review. review reviewing things it's the most forgotten the one that i totally forgot yeah uh review what's that Essentially, review is looking over questions that you've missed in the past, looking over concepts that you might have forgotten about or have gotten a little bit rusty on, and really dedicating time in your study to go over those things. That's the one that yeah. I think is most often overlooked, but is honestly the most important thing, especially if you're trying to score in kind of the upper ranges, higher 160s, the 170s. Reviewing your wrong answers is going to be one of the most helpful things that you can do for yourself. So, Henry, how do yeah. you kind of feel about those four parts? Yeah, I, th I think those you're spot on on those four. And importantly to note, uh, we just said those in ascending importance. Mm. Uh, a lot of people start doing, uh, start studying, and they just start taking a bunch of PTs. They, yeah. they take like five PTs in a row. Uh, incredibly unwise way to study. Agreed. Um, very silly, you might say. So, okay. It really is. And, and the reason why is when you're doing PTs, this is like a diagnostic tool. Right, mm. it's to assess how your studying is going, how uh, if you're improving on any weaknesses, uh, things like that. If you just take a bunch of PTs in a row, 
you haven't actually done anything to improve your score, mm -hmm. right? You're just testing yourself a bunch of times in a row. Uh, what you want to do is start out by doing your untimed work, right? Doing weakness-specific drills. Oh, I'm going to grind a bunch of sufficient assumption problems. Oh, I'm going to grind a bunch of science reading comp passages. Yeah. And then after you do that, you can take a section, see if it's going well. And then you take a PT and then confirm, oh, hey, look, I didn't miss any of these sufficient assumption problems. I did a week of uh, studying of them. Mm -hmm. I can move on to the next thing, right? So you're, you're constantly using the PTs just to diagnose what is happening, right? What, do you, what is working? What do you need to improve on? What do you need to look at to next? You're not doing PTs in a row as a study tool. It's not a way to, to gain knowledge. It's a way to assess what you've learned. Same with the full-length sections, honestly. Like, they're good for studying, but I really only recommend full-length sections to people who, one, as like a, a, a smaller diagnostic tool. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, I'm going to do a full-length section. I messed up these five uh, resolve, reconcile, and explain questions. That's, that's a good sign. I need to start studying those. Mm -hmm. Or if you are scoring in the high 160s, low 170s, you probably don't have any specific weaknesses. Yeah. And so you just need to do a bunch of problems to, to grind those out. Uh, because, you're, you know, you look at 10 weakening questions in a row, you'll probably get, you know, 10 of them right. Mm -hmm. As opposed to if you take an LR section, well, that's going to give you some more opportunity to, to look at some potentially hard problems. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the important thing to note with all of these different things is that the point of drilling, the point of doing fulling sections, the point of all of it is just to diagnose correct and then diagnose and correct and diagnose mm. and correct. You're just trying to do that over and over again. And if you neglect the diagnosis part and you just start practice, 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 repeating everything that you do a million times, the chances of you improving are pretty low, right? Sure, maybe mm. you'll improve a little bit just by sheer virtue of exposure. But every single time you go into a full-length practice test, every time you go into a, even a full-length section, you want to have a very specific goal that you're working towards. You're trying to improve on X or you're trying to get better at yeah. Y. And if you're not, you can study that way and you'll maybe improve a little bit, but it's like we were talking about earlier, that trade-off between time and your score, you're not going to hit your ceiling. I think if you're not constantly trying to re-diagnose and re-correct and re-diagnose and re-correct, I, I cannot emphasize that enough. If you already have a study plan or you're looking into building a study plan, see how many opportunities you're giving yourself to diagnose your mistakes. And if you don't have that many opportunities, try adding a try adding in a couple more and see what that does for your score. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because awesome. ultimately the goal is not to take a bunch of PTs. Mm -hmm. right? The goal is to take a PT, click, check answers, and see a sea of green. Yeah. Right? That's what you want to do. Absolutely. Uh, it doesn't matter how many times you take a PT. If you click, uh, click, you know, grade, and it's all red, uh, so what? Who cares? And, and ultimately you've just wasted a PT then. So what you really want to do is how do I get to that sea of green quickly? quickly? It's not by taking PTs. It's by doing specific drills, drilling specific problems, uh, building habits that you can uh, – building habits and strategies that are unique to you for every single problem. That's what I – one of the drills I give people the most often is I say, like, hey, like, do five of X question type in a row. Mm. Try to think of a unifying theme that you can apply on this question type no matter what. Yeah, that's right, a great R -R -E, one. Maybe it's making a distinction, sufficient assumption, starting at the conclusion, any number of things. And that way, once you build that habit, you'll, you, you look at it on the test. It's just like muscle memory. You just instantly mm. go into your strategy. Of course, the only way to do that, though, is to do a bunch of those problems in a row, right? Yeah. And, and really get that habit, get those repetitions in of, oh, I'm in a sequencing. I'm looking at leaders and followers. I'm looking at the one slot every single time. I'm looking at the final slot. Mm -hmm. 
something that I did while I was studying, which I would look over my wrong answer journal and I would take a look at patterns that I could find across question types, across difficulty levels, across styles of arguments and notice, okay, what patterns was I making that were causing me to get these questions wrong? And every time I went to go do a full-length PT or do a full-length section, I would kind of compile a couple of those patterns and decide today I'm going to try to get better at not missing this thing. Or I'm going to try to get yeah. better at catching this thing a little bit earlier in a game. Yeah. The reason this came up was because somebody asked me what I did in the couple of days leading up to the test. And really, that's what I did. I didn't study a whole bunch of new information. I didn't try to cram a bunch of stuff in. What I did was I, I took my wrong answer journal. I looked at some last couple of patterns that I could find. And I repeated like five things over and over again to myself right before I went into the test of mistakes I didn't want to make or things I wanted to be very conscious of. And the sooner you're able to start compiling that list and the sooner you're able to take a look at the things you're doing over and over again that's causing you to miss questions, the sooner you can diagnose, the sooner you can correct and repeat that entire process. Yeah, I I think the final metric we need to touch on is how many hours a day should you study? Yeah. There's no, well, I was about to say, there's no right amount. There's not a right amount for everyone. Yeah. That being said, there are some reasonable goals that you can hit or not hit. Uh, first of all, if you only have an hour to study a day, you only have an hour to study. And yeah. there's nothing you can do about that. So it, it's not like a bad thing. By the way, an hour of study every day is great. If you do uh, that consistently, well, I would take that over an eight-hour study day once a week. Like, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Daily, daily work is far better than long chunks of work and then long breaks in between Mm -hmm. Uh, so i'll gladly take even 30 minutes a day over a four-hour brick on sunday and a four-hour brick on wednesday i totally just because as you pointed out we're talking about how this is a test of habits so you need to keep building those habits over time Mm -hmm. Uh, by by every day you're doing a little bit of elsa a little bit of conditional logic a little bit of causal logic even if it's just like if you know let's say hypothetically all you have in a week is a four-hour block on sunday and a four-hour block on wednesday if you can just do a logic game every day throughout the week or review one yeah. lesson every day throughout the week, just doing some exposure to LSAT content consistently, you're going to mm-hmm. be way better off. The other thing that I talk to a lot of people about is full-time studying and what full-time studying looks like. I, I know quite a few people who maybe they're in summer break in between school or they took some time off of work to really dedicate to studying. What do you do in a full day? Do you study eight hours a day? Probably not. I'm sure there are some people who can do that, and I certainly tried to do that when I was studying, but what you're going to find is after, you know, on average, what I see at least is between four to five hours of studying, you're really getting diminishing returns on the rest of the work Mm -hmm. that you're doing. Yeah. And there's no magic number that will work for everyone, but even if you are trying to study full time, I would really just try to take it day by day and see how much work can you do productively? How long can you keep your mind sharp? How long are you working efficiently? Are you getting bored? Are you getting tired? Are you glossing over the words on the paper? Are you missing questions that you probably wouldn't have missed in more ideal conditions? Well, it's yeah. time just to stop studying, right? I'd, mm-hmm. I'd much rather you slow down on your schedule a little bit than try to do eight, 10 hour days of the LSAT. And mm-hmm. half of the time that you're spending studying is super unproductive because you're tired. This is yeah. a very mentally exhausting test. It takes a lot of your attention. It takes a lot of your energy. And if you try to cram all of the studying in over really, really long stretches of time, you might feel like, I don't know, a super productive LSAT studier, but you're really just doing yourself a disservice. Do you have yeah. any stories of students who try to overstudy? What happened to them? Anything like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, me. Right. Like I definitely burned out going into my first test and uh, the test I ended up doing really well on 
was uh, was one in which I maybe did an hour a day, if that. Really? Uh, going into it. Yeah, and, and I, I just saw massive improvements. And I think a lot of it was just due to burnout. It mm. wasn't like I didn't know any information at that point. I think I was just overloading myself, stressing myself out. Yeah. Um, and if you really think about the effectiveness of an hour of studying – uh, that first hour is so powerful because you you have full attention, you are willing to just go at the problem. But as as you point out, you get these diminishing returns where like hour five, I guarantee you're not paying attention like you were. Oh, absolutely, one. absolutely. And and it's just it's very it's very silly. It's like yeah, you are maybe making some progress, but you're paying so much, you're paying such a heavy price, and you're risking burnout down the end, which is the worst kind of thing you can run into. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 you know, I have clients that have just been clearly burned out. You just have to tell them, like, stop studying. Mm-hmm. You need to stop studying. You need to take a break. It's not yeah. going to help you. There's no through burnout. You just have to stop. Yeah, really, though, there is there's no, like, oh, I'm going I'm to get unburned out by, yeah. by burning myself out more. Um, now, of course, it's anecdotal. No, but I, I think have it's seen, so true, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen it a lot of times, though, where a lot of my clients right now who are scoring really highly – it's not like they're studying a crazy amount nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are maybe doing an hour. Now, of course, that means they have a lot of time under their belt, like many months of consistent yeah. practice. But it's not like the the way they're achieving their high scores right now is through eight-hour sessions. They're taking, you know, two weeks of vacation just so they can grind. No, it's, it's not going to help you. No, it's um, just not the most ideal way to study for this test. If you're looking for yeah. what I think is the best way, most productive way, and the way that's most conducive to, like, protecting your sanity, right, and, and really mm-hmm. just reaching your ceiling with what you can do with this test, trying to overdo it, trying to believe that you're better than burnout is not the way to go. And so, yeah. and I, I totally get it. I think if when I was studying, if I listened to somebody tell me this, I'd be like, yeah, whatever, for other people, but not for me. Uh, and yeah. I, I thought I was better than burnout. I really did. And then it got to the point where I was going to take the test. I was registered. I was ready to go. And I was so severely burnt out that I was performing nowhere close to what my ceiling was for this test. And I did something yeah. very similar when I ended up retaking it or just moving my test date. I pared down on my studying a ton. I did a lot of drills. I did a lot of time on the analytics page at seven stage trying to figure out where my weaknesses were. Uh, and that's what ultimately helped me get to my, my final score and the score that I was really comfortable was close to my ceiling. Yeah. And, and just to mention too, like, let's say you do have, you can be a full-time studier. You don't have a job, yeah. you have summer break and you do really feel like you want to study all day, make sure you take long breaks in between session. Yeah. Uh, morning session, two and a half hours, something like that. Long break. Afternoon session, two and a half hours. Long break, maybe till the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or, you know, at least take a couple hours to, to reassess, to go do something you like to do, uh, unless you Have like hobbies. studying the LSAT. Yeah, uh, potentially. Hopefully. Uh, develop a hobby. It's good. It's good. You need to have a – what you don't want to do is have those icebreakers in law school where they ask you, like, ah, so, oh my you know, God. What, what's your hobby? <laughs> what Starting do you mean, for what, the what's my hobby? So, honestly, just to kind of recap the most important things that I would want you all to take away from this episode and what I, I really want to reiterate on what we're going to talk about more throughout the season, giving yourself time, right, giving yourself that opportunity. You have no idea how many people I've talked to recently. Right now it's early August, um, and we're, applications are going to start opening up soon. People are really trying to cram in this test as quick as they possibly can. Uh, and uh, pretty much everyone that I've talked to who's trying to cram into a fall test date wishes they started a little bit earlier. You're never going to regret starting earlier to study for this test. 
thinking about the priorities of when you're studying, how you're studying, what sections you're focusing on, trying to hit logic games as soon as you possibly can. And then when you're actually building your study plan, which you should, you should build a study plan. You should not just try to wing it. Uh, really prioritizing, reviewing your work, building out time in your week to review wrong answers from the past, to foolproof games from the past, doing those drills, doing the full-length sections, and prioritizing full-length PTs last and only as a form of diagnosis. Yeah. I mean, one thing I, I have to add, though, mm. just to, to get, get rid of the whole – just to add that, you know – that that little caveat, oh, of which course. is if you're in school, don't trade your grades for a good LSAT score. So what you want to do is you want to give yourself a, a longer run run time of Absolutely. studying the test. And by longer too, it's very important to mention. It's like yeah, you can start studying when you're a sophomore, you can start studying when you're a freshman. Just don't make it your life, yeah. right? Just get acquainted with the concepts. Start getting acquainted with the idea of sufficient and necessary. You don't need to do a bunch of deep studying as a freshman. But getting used to the ideas of sufficient and necessary, getting used to the idea of causal reasoning, uh, and living a couple years just like thinking in that. Mm-hmm. Like, if I could introduce myself to conditionals as a freshman, yeah, my life would have been so much easier. Absolutely, it, it really would have been easier if I could introduce myself to causal reasoning as a freshman. Absolutely, my life on the LSAT would have been so much easier. Now that doesn't mean I'm I, I'd be studying like two hours every single day during you know college, mm-hmm. at the prime of your life, <laughs> until you become an LSAT tutor. Um, <laughs> It doesn't mean you'd be doing two hours every day, but you know you do a little bit here and there. You can you can study as you want, mm-hmm. and, and giving yourself that long run time. That way, when you do eventually have to take the test, it's not like grind time. Oh my God, I've got five finals, and I need to take the you know the the May LSAT. Is there a May LSAT? There isn't a May LSAT. No, I completely agree. You want to really just make sure you're giving yourself the time, so you're not having to cram for finals and try to cram for the LSAT. Neither of which are ideal, um, and sacrificing your GPA for that LSAT score if you time this well and you plan ahead and you really give yourself the opportunity to study for this at the pace that works best for you, you there mm-hmm. won't have to be a trade-off right you can really yeah. have them both so i guess yeah. the moral of the story is start now start yesterday yeah, start now start as soon yeah, as you start can yesterday. yeah uh, and you'll and be we would love it if you started it. with us at seven stage prep plus of with access to live instructors besides the point we have a ton of other great episodes lined up a lot of interviews lined up for the rest of the season so uh, thanks I'm, for I'm listening to start popping off it'll be great <laughs> all right guys bye i'll see you soon see Peace. you next week